Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. So before we get started, can you just tell us your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Okay, so I'm Polina Shkadron. Um, the last name I know is a little difficult and challenging to say, even for SLPs. Um, <laughs> uh, so I am in Forest Hills, New York, and my private practice is called Play to Learn. Um, so I started, I feel like, it was recent. Um, you know, I had a couple of private clients like on the side and it never actually blossomed. So I was on the side of what, what were you doing before? Oh, (laughs) a lot of things. I love it. Um, I started off doing early intervention Mm -hmm. and then I transitioned into a school full time. And then after school I was doing agency work. So still, still traveling. So I was, I was in a school full time Monday through Friday. And then after school I was traveling. Um, and I did that for, for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I felt like my growth was kind of stunted being in a school. Um, there was just nowhere else for me to go. Mm-hmm. So I left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like cold um, Turkey just left the school. Well, I, I was interviewing a little bit and then I got offered a supervisory role for an agency that I had worked for in the past. So they knew me and they were looking for a speech language supervisor um, just to run the de- their, their department. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I decided to try that out for a year. <laughs> um, and what did you think of that role? It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I was under the impression that I was actually going to be able to look over maybe a few CFs and 
Um, I really wanted to help out CF because I had a terrible CF experience and I wanted to kind of pay it forward a little bit and I wanted to show them that it's, it could be okay working for an agency and you have the support. Um, so it didn't turn out quite in that way. Um, I wound up being put behind a desk, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to be more hands-on, clinic-based. Um, so I wound up just reviewing like progress reports and evaluations, and it just wasn't what I wanted to do. Got it. Got um, it. So, and it was just so interesting the way things wind up kind of falling into place because toward the end of the year, I was feeling like I needed to transition out. And then I got a call from my university <laughs> where I got my master's and they were looking for an adjunct. Nice. Yeah. To do what? what? What's the role at the university? So my role, and I'm still there. This is my third. I just finished my third year. Nice. Um, nice. So, so the role, clinical instructor work or teaching a class, both? both, both. So the role was to teach an introductory class into the major. Mm -hmm. um, so it was introduction to communication disorders. And it was also to do clinical supervision for their graduate students. That's fantastic. So I kind of, I've never done anything to that degree. And I just said, yes, why not? Because it's such a great opportunity. Um, so the first semester, I did not sleep <laughs> at all. Yeah. I felt like I was preparing lessons every, every night. I was preparing something. Um, the, the clinic role was definitely easier because that's where I went to graduate school and it was like coming home. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's really what a, what a cool opportunity. Yeah, I, mean, I think that so many things that you just said, I really identify with. So First of all, you just have to, you don't know when, when opportunities are going to present themselves. Right. And sometimes it's when, you know, you, you took this agency job doing the supervision, thinking that that, you know, you felt stuck in the school, right? Yep. So you're like, okay, mm -hmm. let me, let me try to get out of this and then do this agency work. And maybe that I'll enjoy and will be fulfilling. And you found that that wasn't true. Right. And I'm sure that that was discouraging to think, okay, well, I left this one thing and now I don't like this other thing. But to have something like that fall into your lap, I think is really cool. And, and kudos to you for saying yes and, and stretching in that way, even though maybe you were like, oh, I don't really know. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> but I think that that's a really important thing to just be open-minded about opportunities. And when things happen, I mean, I'm one of these like everything happens for a reason kind of a people. <laughs> right? So I think that that's, that's fantastic. Okay. So you're doing some clinical instructor work, some adjunct um, teaching. Tell, yeah. tell us about um, what your other clinical interests are, and then maybe transition into talking about your private practice. So I'm definitely comfortable with working with kids on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. That's kind of been my major, most of my clientele. Um, or a big, a big chunk. Um, I still do early intervention and I just really kind of fell back in love with that population. I left it for a while. Um, and then I just decided to give it another go. Um, I also you do that like just per diem, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I also found through researching 
the way that early intervention is structured um, because I don't know if it's different in other states, but in New York State, um, SLPs are required to have a teaching certificate. So that's that TSSLD. We can't step foot into a school without it or work with children from pre-K on. Mm-hmm. So that teaching certification, I found out, also allows me to play two roles through early intervention. Keep talking. Okay. And a lot of people don't know this, especially for New York State. And they're, and I, when I talk to other SLPs, they're so surprised that I can be two therapists on one case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I filled the role of the SLP because I have my license. And then I filled the role of the special instructor because oh, I have my teaching certificate. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I had no idea that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm in Massachusetts um, and I don't know what the rules are on that in Massachusetts. I'm, I'm, I'm more of an adult person, so I don't always mm-hmm. know all the ins and outs of things to do with kids. So cool. All right. Once again, fulfilling more roles. Love it. Definitely. So, so who, tell us a little bit about um, how your private practice is structured and how many clients maybe are you seeing a week and what kinds of kids are they? So I'm recently, I've just been getting new referrals, which has been great. (laughs) Um, You know, at first I'm what I was wondering like where they're coming from. And then I just stopped asking (laughs) and just said, okay, (laughs) let them come. Um, But it started obviously very, very, very small. And I, you know, and on the side thing where, Um, I was referred by a friend, a good friend of mine, who's a social worker and she was close to one family. And I started seeing this child in his home uh, for on Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly went to, I had a set of twins I worked with through early intervention and I became very close with the family. And after they finished early intervention, the mom wanted me to stay privately for both twins. Um, And that was two years ago and they're still with me. (laughs) So I must be doing something right. (laughs) Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, And then I was just, I felt like I was stuck there for a little bit and I wasn't even thinking about, you know, opening anything up. I just thought it was going to be a few clients here and there. Okay. That's nice. Um, And then I got one, one referral also from a friend. And as soon as I met that mom, from the first day, she, I guess, really enjoyed the kind of work that I do. And all of a sudden her son said his first word with me. Look at like you. One, of his, one of his first words. And mm-hmm. um, it was just really exciting. And as soon as I left, she said, I just gave your name out to a few other moms. And it just catapulted from there. Um, yeah, so it's just word of mouth. It started. Um, and, you know, just I feel like it's so important to develop such a good relationship with the parents. Um, and then I started understanding that I needed to kind of infiltrate that one community (laughs) because a lot of the moms are close and they know each other and they, when one 
talks about their experiences, the others kind of follow suit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that that's a really important thing is to think about um, making a good impression on one person. And some, there are some people, I'm blanking on the name of the book. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. But something, uh, I remember that the cover's orange. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, it talked about different kinds of people. And one of the kinds of people are called connectors. Mm -hmm. And so you never know who you're going to work with who happens to be a connector right. and enjoys connecting different people in their life, right? It sounds like this mom had a good experience with you. I mean, you helped their child say some of their first words and, you know, parents don't forget that stuff, right? right. So, you know, they had a good experience with you. They told some other moms, then probably those moms, you know, told other moms. And yeah, before you know it, you, you know, you use the word infiltrating a community. And I think that's also really important to think about that our clients are in various communities and whether they are disorder-based communities or they kind of start as a disorder, but maybe they're, you know, geographic communities or, you know, I don't know, um, school communities, religious communities, whatever, when you can kind of be a trusted person who's helped someone in that community, the other people also, you know, want to, you know, think of you as a trusted person that they want to work with too. So that's, it, it just started that way. Um, and then I had a friend, you know, my, my social worker friend who kind of nudged me to look for a space <laughs> mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and, you know, it was kind of also like a random occurrence where I was just walking up and down a block and looked up at the right time and saw a space for rent <laughs> and just walked into the building and introduced myself. Um, and it's a professional office building where they're just all attorneys or accountants or some kind of um, like financial advisement. And they, I remember speaking to, I guess, well, my landlord, who's the owner of the building, and he was a little hesitant about having children mm -hmm. in the building, but he liked the, the way speech language pathologist sounded. Nice. That's what he told me. Because it sounded fancy. Because it sounded fancy. I didn't say that I was a teacher or a therapist. I said, I'm a- Or a tutor. Or a tutor, mm -hmm. right? So I said, I, I see children individually. I'm not running a daycare here. Um, so he agreed to, and this was in um, September. Oh, nice. Of 2017. Oh, fantastic. So that's like a, you know, not quite, you know, a two, you're coming up on two years, kind of. Well, you're not. Oh, no, when you're right. Sorry. Right. End of the day. End of the day. Jenna's tired. <laughs> <laughs> so I met with him around in the fall. Um, and I realized that I was also very tired of traveling. Um, and it was taking, it was taking a toll because I wasn't, um, you know, I, I was prepared for my sessions, but not, I felt like as great as I could be if I was in my own space. Um, and you, you had mentioned doing EI and whatnot, right? And right. I know that a lot of people who do EI just get really burnt out from yeah. going around to different places. So I can absolutely see how post or, you know, or not, not really post EI, because I think you're still doing a little bit mm -hmm. of EI, but to, to have 
a place that you can go. You can keep all your materials there. People can come to you. You're not having to lug stuff. Right. I think that's, that's worth, you know, the money really. It is, it is. And I know it's New York and I know it's, you know, expensive, but, um, he gave me a suite. So I wound up, I have my own little office. I have a waiting room and I have a, a therapy room, oh, which is really nice. Um, so I started seeing, he did some renovations there before, um, before I moved in. So I started seeing kids around November, mm-hmm. um, slowly. Um, and then in January, there was a massive flood. <gasps> oh no. So what happened? Um, I lost everything. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. So it was kind of one of those things where now looking back, you just said you feel like everything happens for a reason. Uh Um, Of course, I was just destroyed. I came, I came in a week after it had happened. And I didn't know what to expect. But it was just metal beams. And I looked around and everything was gone. So what happened? Did you, did you have insurance to cover any of it or did they cover it or? It was the entire, I'm at the lower level. So, and it's my suite, another suite and two other offices and a conference room. So it was, it's in the winter and it was really cold Mm -hmm. during that time. And a pipe burst on the block and it flooded everything with a basement or a lower level, like three, four feet of water. I know. Oh God, you must have been devastated. So, so devastated. <laughs> devastated. Oh gosh. Okay. So, how how did you possibly rebound from losing all of your stuff? Slowly. <laughs> um, I was able to save a few things, um, and then just it took. I reopened the first week of April. So it took the rest of January, all of February and all of March to, because he was renovating the entire, the entire level. Um, and it was really interesting because as soon as I reopened in April, um, I started getting different phone calls from other people who were, who were interested because in the meantime, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm back to traveling <laughs> for this time. What else can I do? to then while my office space is being renovated now i need to put my energy and my efforts somewhere else mm-hmm. so i started marketing my services <laughs> um i found i finally started using facebook um started posting about you know my my experiences some articles here and there um, and i had for some reason I was hesitant to ask parents to review me. Mm-hmm. And then um, finally I just asked, you know, if somebody, if you guys would be so kind, just write a few kind words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and you know, the response was great. So yeah. they started linking me to other Facebook com- communities. Like I mentioned, just kind of infiltrating one, <laughs> one community. Um, and then the phone calls that I was getting was, well, I saw your name popped up in this mom's group or um, your name popped up in this mom's group. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, 
it kind of started from there. Uh, I think what's really important was for me um, was to be confident in my skills mm-hmm. and to know that people are coming to me. Yes, they're paying me privately. Yes, not every session is going to be this, you know, alternating kind of mind-blowing experience. Right. The kid says their first words all the time with you. All the time. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) So it's also knowing that like, yes, obviously this is, these are private pay clients, but they trust me for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think once I got a handle on that, I was able to say, well, yes, I specialize in treating children with autism. And yes, I specialize in Um, feeding therapy. So once I said that I am a feeding specialist and I named my, labeled myself as such, um, people begin to trust you with their, (laughs) with their children. Yeah. Especially when it comes to, when it comes to feeding. And if, if the kid also, I mean, I don't know if you have also kids with autism who then also have feeding issues, right? But Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to so much of what you just said is really pretty amazing stuff, right? The the whole mom's Facebook group thing is huge. huge. I, you know, I didn't realize how big it was going to be. Huge. You can throw a question. I, I live right out, I'm like one suburb out from Boston. And if I have any question about a medical provider, a restaurant, <laughs> Uh, whatever, and I put it on in our, my community's Facebook group, I get like 20 answers right off the bat. Yeah. So, and it's just incredible. So, so making sure that you're getting talked about, you know, positively, obviously in those circles is really, really important. But mm-hmm. the other thing that you said that I want to really encourage people to, to realize they're not alone is that awkwardness of asking people for testimonials. People yes. feel very awkward about asking for testimonials and, but, but when you do it, parents are so happy that you've helped their child. They, it's not a big deal to them to, to write a little something about you. They're so happy to do it. And yet we have this like, I don't know, like, I don't want to ask them for something, but again, they, they don't mind at all. They're happy to do it. And, you know, they just want you to keep doing good things, not only for their child, but for other children as well. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's important that parental relationship and the guidance that you can give parents. Um, I'm definitely, I, I stay on most of my clients. I see once a week. Some I see, some I see twice a week. Um, and even the ones that I see once a week, I make sure to, follow up with the parent. Um, if they ask, I always tell them I'm best accessible through email. Please just email me. So whenever they ask me a question, um, I make sure to always provide a resource. And I think they parents have found that really helpful. Um, so I say, you know, here's a suggestion and attached is one of my go-to resources. Here's a suggestion and attached, here's a resource that will really help you understand what we're doing in therapy. Because then you're also positioning yourself as not only, you know, a nice trusted person, but a knowledgeable person too. And one who has gone the extra mile. I mean, it doesn't take you long to attach an article, no, right. Or to link to a blog post or whatever, but the fact that you did it 
the perception is that this person has gone above and beyond for me or for my child and I don't even know her yet. Okay. Imagine what she's going to do when I actually hire her and she starts working with my son or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that's been really, I feel like important. Um, and I think the other piece that I've learned is to know your own worth. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like sometimes as private practitioners, because there are a lot of free services that New York State offers, um, you know, others are just afraid to say, well, no, this is how much my session costs. Um, and then they're very quick to, to say, well, I'll decrease my rate. Like maybe I'll just decrease my rate and I'll get another, another client that way. Um, and it was interesting because I had listened to another professional who specializes more in psychotherapy mm -hmm. when I was first getting into like the private practice realm. I wanted to hear from everybody. So no matter what field. Um, so I listened to a psychotherapist and one of her key points was to really know your worth. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way she put it was that in terms of like women getting haircuts, right? Would you go to somebody who is going to offer you a $10 haircut or a $100 haircut? And there's something about that value where you're thinking, but wait, why is that $10 one so cheap? Am I not getting that great of a service? You know, why, why is there such a huge discount? Um, let me try this $100 haircut because there's probably more value in it. Yes. And when, she, when I was listening to her say that, I thought, okay, I think I'm, it's, it's time to really understand what I'm worth. So I looked into, um, you know, I Googled a lot of private practices in my area just to get a sense of, what people were charging to make sure that I was fair and also not like overreaching. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's no advantage to being the cheapest person um, right. at all. Right. Because you, you have this tendency to think that you'll make it up on volume. Right. But the, the problem is exactly what you said about perception of the value of services. And it really, I think we need to be, you know, careful about, you know, this, you know, idea of price fixing and having um, everyone kind of get together and figure out, hey, we're all going to charge this amount. This is, this is not what I'm talking about, but I, I, I caution us as a field of speech pathologists against lowering our prices because when we, when one person lowers the prices and then we all sort of think about doing that in order to stay competitive, it devalues the whole thing, right? It does. So we, ha we have to be careful not to get afraid that no one's going to hire us and undersell ourselves because not only then are we underselling like ourselves and our private practice, but we're also underselling our field right? right and this is where people say well can't i just hire a tutor or can't right. i just hire you know the the um speech undergrad student you know who right. took a class or something so yeah i think that there i love that you know ten dollar versus a hundred dollar haircut 
yeah, I would, I, I don't even care that much about my hair and I would definitely choose an $100 haircut versus like a, no knock on super cuts, but you know, like a super cut, right. kind of like $10 or beauty school or whatever kind of a haircut. Right. Because then you're, you're getting a specialist. Yes. Um, and I feel like I've also, you know, added a few things to my, uh, to my business cards. Yeah. Keep talking about that. Cause that's interesting too. Yeah. So I was thinking of how to describe myself. Um, and I don't want to just be known as like, oh, the, the speech person. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was also considering, well, what are all of the things that I do? Okay. Um, feeding, definitely a huge domain. So I said, I'm going to, on my business card, put the name of my practice. And then, of course, myself. And underneath my name, I have like feeding specialists. So I'm thinking, okay, what else? how else do people know me? Um, and I use a lot of, most of my therapy is very play-based. Mm -hmm. So I call myself a play advocate. Nice. Um, and then I uh, also wanted to touch on clinical expertise. And obviously we have a master's degree. So I said, all right, well, that means I'm a master clinician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I put that first. So I said, I'm a master clinician. I am a feeding specialist. I am, you know, a play advocate. And the other really important piece that I put in was um, parent training. Mm -hmm. Right. Because Which is also important. Parents, I mean, I'm a parent. I have two kids. I mean, I guess all parents are different, but I like to be trained. If there's something that I could be doing with my kids better than I'm doing, like sign me up. I right. think maybe some parents don't want that or something, but if they're the kind of parents who don't want that, then they're not your kind of parents that you want to be working with in your clinic. Right. right? So right. that also kind of helps show where your priorities are as a clinician and also help parents understand, you know, like self-select. They, are they into that? Or are they not into that? You know, whatever. So I feel like that's, and it's interesting because I, um, like randomly meet people in, uh, in coffee shops. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just in my nature to gravitate toward children wherever I see them. <laughs> and I just start interacting with parents and their children. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wound up meeting a mom recently who wasn't with um, you know, her child, but we started talking about, I don't even know where the conversation went. And then she, when I was leaving, she asked for my card um, and I gave it to her. And the first thing she said was, oh, master clinician. I like that. And <laughs> um, so I was like, I, and then, then I said to myself, okay, that was a great idea. <laughs> uh -huh. Awesome. That was a great idea. It just adds a, I guess, more professionalism to it. And it also shows that, you know, I know, once again, going back to like the self-worth, right? If I'm marketing myself as such, then I know what I'm, what I'm worth. I know what my services are worth. I love it. So let me ask you another question, which is where do you see yourself in six to 12 months? Well, I'm hoping that but the private practice continues to, uh, <laughs> continues to grow. And it's, it's definitely been, uh, it's been growing the last three weeks. Um, I screened three new Three new clients. Um, I also, interestingly enough, 
increase my rate for a screening and I'm still, still getting screenings. Love it. That's um, fantastic. So I screened three potential clients and two are already coming on board. Mm -hmm. um, there's another one that I'm screening next week with a set of twins. Great. Uh, so, you know, and the other piece is sometimes the screening just leaves off as a screening and the parent is not, you know, I follow up and the parent is not interested. And I think the main goal is to not get discouraged yeah. um, because for, you know, for every three or four who say no, there's going to be one who says yes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So any other parting words of wisdom or things that you've experienced, you know, you've given a ton of good advice. Is there any other things that you want to leave our listeners with? Um, definitely looking into other, what you could gather from other professions. Um, I feel like when you asked me about like what all those letters stand for. <laughs> yeah, you guys, Polina has like a gajillion letters after her name. <laughs> you know, MS, are you an MS or an MA? MA. M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P wasn't enough. You also have... So that T-S-S-L-D is the New York State Teaching Certificate. And then the last four, um, C-F-P-T. So it's a certification in family trauma. Um, and I, was, I got interested in the mental health uh, field a few years ago. And I took a certification course online through the... Um, they just changed their name. It used to be the Interna International Association of Trauma Professionals. Now it's the International Trauma Training Institute, something along those lines. Okay. Um, and, and are you going to use that in your private practice? I do. You do, nice. I do, because I really touch upon some of the emotional pieces that kids come with. Um, and I always say it's never, it, first of all, it's never just, anything. It's never just our tick. It's never just, you know, a little speech delay. It's never just one thing. So I feel like it's just really important to learn from other disciplines. Mm -hmm. um, and even though I, I'm not going to go back to school to be a psychologist, <laughs> um, I could take a course or I can take a, you know, a certification or just a substantial amount of coursework to say, okay, I understand this part of the field. And now I can use it and I could see certain things that my children are doing and then let the parent know, well, he's reacting this way because, and let's respond accordingly. Oh, I the think parents, that, that's what a gift that you're giving those parents is to not only have the clinical skills to help with, you know, with their language or speech development or whatever, but to have those counseling and um, support skills to understand how the parents may be struggling with some of the bigger picture things, or if, you know, the kid you know, had a tantrum on the way in, or, you know, the, or there, nobody's sleeping in the house, and, right. you know, so, oh gosh, that's great. Yeah, and I feel like that's, that part has been really, really helpful, because it's helped me understand my clients better, and then it's helped the parents connect also on a different, on a different level. Um, so, 
I guess the last bit, if I don't have enough letters after my name, I'm going to add a couple more in December. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, and the only, so I'm doing actually another master's online. Okay. In, in what? <laughs> nutrition education. Nice. nice. Because, because of the feeding piece, I started getting parents asking me more technical questions about, well, how many calories should my child be eating or, you know, what, what other variability? And I didn't have the answers because that's not what my background is. And I decided why not? <laughs> so you're so, also just like a learner. I know. I love it. I'm, I feel like I'm going to be a student forever. <laughs> yeah. Again, why not? So that's, you're, you're so smart, right? You're, you're filling in gaps. You're like, okay, here, here's a gap in the need. And I'm interested in this anyway, so let me fill it. And I think that's also going to really help with this idea of your worth, right? And upping your, your worth. If you now have all of these additional, um, you know, degrees and backgrounds and whatever, you can, you know, start to increase your rate even more and become even more of a specialist because now not only do you do, you know, you know, uh, therapy for kids with autism, but maybe you do ther family therapy for kids with autism. Like, you know, it's, it's play-based and it involves the family and it's still, you know, SLP focused, but then also with this additional component. I love your advice about thinking about other disciplines and what other disciplines are doing and how you can have a more holistic approach in your therapy. Very Definitely. smart. And ladies and gentlemen who are listening, you rebounded from a flood in your office. <laughs> some people would have just been like, okay, this was a sign. Right. <laughs> I'm out. Right. Think of all the things you've done since that happened to you and all the things that, that are maybe coming for you in the coming months and years. Yeah. I love it. No, I'm excited. <laughs> I just feel like every time I walk into my office, you know, I say like, I love this space. It's like, this is mine. <laughs> it's inviting. Um, you know, recently I had parents come in for the first time going, oh, this is a really clean facility. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, yes, I vacuum every night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's that way because of me. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, I really cannot thank you enough for, for coming on and telling everybody your story and, you know, all of these, you have just a very multifaceted approach. And I think that that's really valuable, not only to the people you're serving, but I can see the energy that you exude and, you know, all of these things are, are interesting to you and you're finding ways to help them inform your clinical practice. And I think that's fantastic. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I have created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. 
Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at Independent Clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.